Meets Artists from Augustana Arts, where we bring you behind-the-scenes stories from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed artists. This is Lynn Nesting, an Executive Director of Augustana Arts, and I am pleased to sit down for a wonderful conversation with soprano Sheila Melendez, a Latinx singer and conductor who will be our featured rising star guest conductor with the Stratus Chamber Orchestra coming up in the opera. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. It's nice to be interviewed. I'm glad you're with us, and I know that our audience will be very intrigued and interested to hear about your journey. Um, let's begin with a question that we ask all of our guest artists, and uh, that is to please share your early introduction to the art form and how music specifically and how it evolved for you to where you are today. So I began when I learned how to speak. Uh, my mom wanted me to sing in church, just sing solos. It was something that she'd been doing. She was a worship leader for a long time, and she would sit in the front row and mouth the words while I was trying to sing and try to remember. I've, I've always been good at memorizing songs, I guess, so that was something that I grew up doing. And when she was a kid, she always wanted to do piano lessons, so she had me do piano lessons around the age of seven or eight and the book that I was learning from was too easy so the teacher had me learning hymns instead and that was great but I I gave up on that and I just kept playing piano by ear for all those years instead uh, so, I, so I developed my ear in that way by playing by ear playing piano by ear and I also in school played violin and I was in orchestra in middle school and stuff like that. I started learning guitar when I was 11. And freshman year of high school, they needed more cellists, so I switched to cello for a year. And my cello teacher came to one lesson, and the rest of the year, I don't know what happened to them, but... <laughs> <laughs> you were on your own. Yeah, so I basically taught myself playing to play cello. But luckily, my ear was kind of developed so I was able to do that and then when I was around 15 or 16 I started playing guitar for church services and I became a worship leader and um, so I did that for a, a few years and when I went to college that's when I learned that you can actually major in music in college so I started doing that instead <laughs> as a singer and I joined choir and I fell in love with choir and then uh, and then I, I learned that you can be a teacher, a music teacher as a specialty and my um, oh sorry so I so I fell in love with choir and then I was able to join chamber choir which is where I really excelled it was just like it felt like I was finally in my element when I got to do that. And we performed pieces like Monteverdi Magnificat or the Durafle Requiem or the Purcell Dido and Aeneas and stuff like that. So it was, it was definitely what I had 
wanted all along. I just never knew about it. And now here I am in the conducting world thanks to all of this choir, the choir exposure that I got once I got to college. So it's been good so far. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the conducting world that you've so-called entered, but um, let's back up. And um, now, where did you grow up in the East Coast? Because that's what I think you said on your bio from Maryland. So I w- I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. It's about 20, 30 minutes from D.C. And it's a more developed city now, but then it was kind of like suburb area, there was a mall, there was like some, there was some city stuff, there was downtown Silver Spring, I, I grew up hanging out there a lot, and my whole family is from Honduras, all my brothers are from Honduras as well, I'm just the only one that was born in the U.S., so everything at home was Honduran culture and food, and I grew up speaking Spanish first, before I started learning English, and um, so that's, I kind of, I I was born in Silver Spring and then I just stayed there until it was time to go to college and I moved to Baltimore. (laughs) Um, And then I, the only reason I moved to Colorado was for grad school. Throughout that all, in your early learning, what do you think was the biggest or your most inspiring role model? Were there any individuals in your family who were musical or in your school that you just looked up to and said, I want to be like that someday? So my mom is an amazing singer and she taught herself and my grandma also is an amazing singer, her mom. So it's really nice when my grandma, my mom and I are together, we all sing together and we'll sing in in harmony in thirds. And so I grew up with that. And then my uncle, which is my mom's older brother, he plays guitar. And I think my mom's dad used to play guitar as well. He was a troubadour in El Salvador. So that the musical stuff comes from my mom's side. And my uncle taught my brother to play guitar, so I grew up watching that as well. Um, my oldest brother used to play saxophone. We're all singers. So whenever, we're, whenever we have a family gathering, there's always music. We're always improvising new songs. My uncle plays guitar, and then we just make jokes through song which is really cool it's really fun how do how do you tell me about that what is that like i mean making jokes through song well we'll take a song that we all know and just change the words and then we're, since we're all laughing about it we start getting more inspired and we have more things to sing about and more things to say and then somehow we just all get it we know what we're gonna sing about next it just it just makes sense once we're in that environment <laughs> Tell me about then how you were introduced to the world of conducting. Is your master's in conducting? Yes. So I'm doing two master's degrees. I started as a voice major, and then I switched to conducting when I met Dr. Saylor. What's great, we were talking about role models. Most of my choir directors have been women, which is really neat to experience. My very first choir director was a woman, and she's amazing. She was the voice, my voice teacher and the choir director at the school. And then in my undergrad, I also had another, I had a Latina woman conductor, which was an awesome experience, the way that she would infuse culture into, with choral music and stuff like that. And, um, 
And then once I met Dr. Saylor, I knew that I needed to study conducting as well because she is just amazing, an amazing person, a, a great mother, and then on top of that, an incredible musician, an incredible conductor. So I, I've been really lucky with the role models and the people that have been in my life for that reason. I would definitely agree, and we're so thankful and grateful that Catherine, Dr. Saylor, will be conducting our concert, um, A Spectrum of Rising Artists, on October 1st and 2nd. Um, you're going to be conducting a Telemann Trumpet Concerto in D, is that correct? Yes. Um, how did you choose that, and uh, or did was that chosen for you, and what? how are you preparing? So it was chosen for me, but the... But I love early music and Baroque style and everything that is um, before Bach. I really love that kind of music. But I have never worked with an orchestra before. I've never worked with, like, as a conductor, having to conduct strings and all of this is going to be a new experience for me, for sure. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And I'm, what I'm doing, basically, is I'm, I'm doing my usual score study that I do, like taking it apart, knowing the form, knowing how the music develops. Um, and then I, it's really fortunate that the soloist for that is also my friend. So that so already we have a, a good relationship in that sense. I think it'll it'll be great. Yeah, the soloist is Aaron Olson, correct? And he's from DU as well. Um, so do you think you'll get a chance to work together ahead of time and um, or is it going to be pretty much on the spot when you get to rehearsals for the concert? Um, I'll definitely, we'll probably hang out at some point before the first rehearsal, either just get together and talk through the music or make sure we're, yeah, just to make sure we're on the same page, maybe run the piece together without the orchestra. So that, it, so that at least we're locked in, and then I can figure out how to work with the strings. When I was uh, younger, or well, when I was in college, younger, <laughs> I used to check out scores from the library and just pretend in my dorm room I was conducting a big symphony. I'm curious if you've ever done something like that. Well, my approach, first of all, is to sing through every part so that I know exactly how the music is moving. And then I have a floor-length mirror that shows my whole body, and I conduct into that mirror so I know what I look like. <laughs> and I, I don't like to conduct with recordings, so what I do is once I've sung through every part, I, I know what it should sound like. So I kind of have it in my head playing. Like, it's like I pr press play in my head, and then I'm conducting to that if that makes sense. <laughs> Impressive. Well, and I know you had mentioned on your bio that your approach, teaching approach, focuses on the ability to access the language of music. Um, I thought that's pretty neat how to describe that process, but can you translate that also as well to conducting, maybe um, inspiring the musicians, the orchestra themselves, perhaps? The what is that language of music to you? So... All music has something to say, and in an orchestra, everyone can have something different to say, but, it, but the point is to be intentional about it. So if, if you know what you want to say with two quarter notes, 
then it's kind of like adding emphasis to a sentence. Which word are you going to add your emphasis to? The first word or the second word? Or the first quarter note or the second quarter note? And so the, what the conductor does is kind of bring in all those ideas and then try to create one big idea from it. And so I, that's, that's kind of the approach there. And it, it, has, it just has to be more than just about the notes. There, there has to be something else going on, something else we're trying to say um, that is more inspiring. Because it, it, I don't know, I've heard performances where everything, the technique is correct, the notes are correct, everything's correct, but there's something missing. And the audience can tell if there isn't some, some emotional connection to the music. I, I believe that that's the case. <laughs> Well, I realize you haven't conducted in front of an orchestra before, but perhaps with the ensembles that you have, um, how do you know when you've succeeded in bringing across what you wanted to or what doing what you wanted and you intended to do in conducting that piece? I think if the choir members themselves are feeling really good about the performance or they're going into the performance confident that they know what's going to happen or they know they know what to do they have enough tools in case of if something were to go wrong they have enough tools or or they or yeah or just the confidence itself going in like i know exactly what we're doing we're going to do this so if the ener- the environment is already good then i feel like that's already successful and then it's an added bonus when the audience members come up to us and they're and they say what a great job or how beautiful the choir sounded, or even further, they'll say, like, that really inspired me, or that really touched me, thank you for sharing this, stuff like that. Then I'm like, okay, so the whole process went well, and then now we're even having audience members be affected as well. What's the thing you look most forward to when you finally put the baton down and you're done? What do you, what do you look forward to at that moment? The smiles from the ensemble. When they're like, when they feel proud of themselves, I'm like, and I'm like, yes, you did it. <laughs> we just have this, ex- that look, that exchange of, we did this. We did it. Like, that's it. We're done. We did it. <laughs> I look forward to that, too, for you. And I know it will be, for sure. Um, tell me about your long-term goals. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And maybe even, you know, professionally, how, what do you aspire to pursue? That is a question that I still don't know the answer to <laughs> because the, what I wanted to do, I am now fortunate enough to be doing that. I'm an assistant conductor and a soloist, and that's all I've wanted to be. Just be there and be able to be in a choir that I get to conduct but also get to solo for. Um, that's what I always wanted, and now I just hope to bring that to a higher caliber maybe like a professional touring choir or um, there are some conductors that I know that they get called to go solo somewhere, but then they're directors of other things somewhere else. Stuff like that is what I want to be doing. So what I am doing now, but further, furthering that. (laughs) If you were to talk with a young person who was interested in pursuing music, whether it's in college or even in elementary school and curious about music 
what would your words of advice be to that young person about pursuing music as potentially a career? Uh, I would say gain as many musical experiences as you can. If you like a, one, one certain type of music, still expose yourself to other types of music. Uh, it, there's, inspiration can come from everywhere. Or if, if someone is dedicated to music, still have uh, hobbies that are not music related because there is a lot to learn from that that can apply to music as well. And it could be anything, but it's, it's all about the intention of the person. It, do you, what do you want to take from this that will help you be a better musician? I think that I think that is really important. <laughs> I would agree, and uh, I'm sure you've felt that in the the performances you've presented, and that your intention was from the heart, and you wanted to just express yourself and share, the, you know, the beauty of what's behind all of the music. Um, are, is there anything else that you think listeners might be interested in knowing about you that I didn't ask about today? I, I think another thing that is important about music is learning or, or experiencing different cultures because there is, as we know, Western music, but then there's music all over the world that is all valid and beautiful. And the more things that a musician exposes themselves to, the more inspiration that can come from that. So I've gone to percussion ensemble concerts, wind ensemble concerts, things that I didn't think would actually apply to me. And now I'm like, I'm grateful that I did that because I, if I have to work with orchestra, I know how these things should sound. I know what the percussion should sound like and stuff like that. Um, so you never know, you never know what you'll end up using later on. It, I'm just... It's better to just be a sponge. Just take everything in, and then you'll never know when you'll need it. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the challenges with an orchestra or an organization where we've performed um, typically Western music, um, how do you suggest introducing other genres or um, ethnicities within it to enrich the lives of our audience as well as our performers. Any suggestions on um, how we can continue to expand and grow? Um, I think it's the best way to do that is to have a direct source. So somebody that is from that religion or it or speaks that language or something like that, that can come in and say, this is what it should actually sound like. Or taking the group to go watch a concert of, of, of like dancers that are all from a certain country and they're all dancing and they know exactly what, what the dance and the music should sound like. Just getting that primary source, I think, is the most valuable way to learn other styles. And, um, and then it's more of, are we trying to be diverse or are we playing music that the audience will like? Well, and I don't know if you know, we're in the search prop process for a um, Stratus Chamber Orchestra conductor um, in the season 22-23. Um, so that's why we have Dr. Saylor as our guest conductor. As we go through that search process, do you have any advice on things we might look for in the interview process for a good conductor? What would be some things you would think would be important for us to consider? 
definitely the type of musician that that person is. Are they only focused on conducting or are they doing other, other musical events type of thing? Um, I think that that is the most important, like a musician that is multifaceted and can work with different things because those kind of musicians adapt well and, um, and know how to bring variety. And just like a, just a musician that has more than just the, just the one skill, just like having more skills, <laughs> I think that's the most important thing. I would agree and we'll for sure look for that quality in our new conductor as we go through this process. A lot of talent out there. Shayla, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if someone wants to hear more about your journey or um, watch you conduct, um, are there places or do you have a, a web, uh, social media presence um, if someone wants to learn more about Shayla? So I don't have my website made just yet because I'm still in grad school and there's just so much to do. But I do have a YouTube channel where I have my conducting videos and I have my singing videos as well. And like just all the different performance things that I do, they're all on YouTube. Um, and that, and then my email, which is also the same handle as my YouTube, is the best way to contact me. So that's Shayla.SopranoVoice. The YouTube channel is called that. And then my email is that at gmail.com. And, and then Facebook is a more personal approach, but still that's where I post where I have all my events coming up or some kind of concert. I actually have a few concerts in the, within the next two months. I have a lot to do, so there's a lot to come. <laughs> I would say, well, it's usually the busy, busiest person that we assign. So I'm sure I have no doubt you'll, you'll excel and be great at all of it that you're offering. Well, I really look forward to the performance on October 1st and 2nd. So October 1st concert, uh, a spectrum of rising artists will be held at First Plymouth Congregational Church, which is in Cherry Hills, um, concerts at 7.30, and our October 2nd concert, Saturday night, will be at Augustana Lutheran Church, and we're actually going to be introducing a new concept with a visual light display during the concert, so it should be very, um, very cool setting and a new offering with Stratus Chamber Orchestra, and tickets are available at augustanaarts.org. And I'd like to offer anyone who's listening to this podcast and, and your friends and family too, to use code STRATUS10, number one, zero, uh, for $10 off all of our ticket prices. Um, so please share that with your friends and family and, and hopefully they'll be able to um, come to the concert. And if not, uh, we are going to try to live stream it Saturday night, so hopefully maybe your family might be able to watch it there. I'm still working on those details. Um, well, Shayla, I really appreciate your time, and we look forward to seeing you on October 1st and 2nd. <laughs>